So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, uh, I guess, not make fun of myself, but I'm going to tell a story on myself that just happened the other day while I was uh, preaching out at Flint Ridge that that's one of those things that, as a Christian, it makes you feel just about this big by time uh, you're done, you're ready, you're ready to want to uh, hang your head and run out of the room, you know, as quick as you can. And the story, but I, the Lord has helped me grow from this experience, and I'm thankful for that. Um, so yeah, sometimes I mess up, because I think as, I don't, I don't know if we ever get to a point where we know everything about the Bible, or we, uh, we you know, uh, no, no things perfectly. We will never get to that point. Uh, so I was uh, preaching at Flint Ridge the other day, and we had a, you know, a nice crowd. There's uh, probably 10, 12 people uh, gathered together there. And uh, <clears throat> the service went really well. And uh, at the end of the service, it was, it was a very sweet spirit and service. Everything was going real well. I even, we had something that was kind of unusual. We had even a lot of interaction at the end of the service, and there was a lot of consternation over what was going on in Israel and the news that was, um, you know, coming out and just the fighting and the deaths and the kidnappings. And, you know, these people are sitting in their apartments and watching this for hours on end and one lady, I mean, just almost in tears, said, Pastor, don't, what hope can you give me for Israel and for, you know, the end and, and all these things? And, and believe it or not, I answered that question real well, and it went real well. And then, uh, and then a, a, another lady, uh, we en ended with a song, and another lady said, I think we should end with the Lord's Prayer. And wouldn't you know it that my mind went blank? <laughs> so, <clears throat> praise the Lord, it didn't go totally blank. My mind did not go totally blank. I knew that the Lord's Prayer was found in a couple places, and one for sure I knew was in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, the sixth chapter. So, I uh, turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and as you may have noticed, I, I oftentimes I study, I read, and I often preach out of the English Standard Version, which is a newer version of the Bible. I should say newer translation, not version. That's, that doesn't sound right. So, I began to... Uh, read, I had to kind of find my place, and I began to read, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, if you're reading a King James Version, you know that that's not the end of the prayer. And if you're someone like me, 
who has read and grown up on the King James Version, you know that that's not the end of the prayer. However, that's the end of the prayer in the English Standard Version because then it goes, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I began to read that, and I said, I don't believe that that was the end of the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) I believe I missed it somewhere. (laughs) Now I'm frantically searching, and I quickly uh, did an extemporaneous prayer and dismissed everybody in the name of the Lord. (laughs) I, and here's the thing, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's not, you know, because uh, as the church of God, uh, we're not a, I guess, a liturgical church. We don't uh, say the Lord's Prayer and uh, the Apostles' Creed and some of these other things repetitively. Um, I, don't, I don't know that, I, I don't believe that that's uh, the intention of the Lord's Prayer is that it's just simply to become Uh, a repetitive, uh, over and over again prayer that we say mindlessly. That is, that's not the intention of the Lord's Prayer. So I don't fault us in that. But certainly I I will fault myself (laughs) in not having it absolutely memorized, ingrained in my head, that the second somebody asks me to say it, (laughs) I can recite it well. And, you know, I was thinking because I, I, I get an opportunity that, you know, many, uh, I know there's many others that have witnessed and have ministered in the nursing home and other places outside of the church of God. But it's an incredible privilege and opportunity to be able to uh, minister to those of all different Christian faith. And there at that nursing home, I minister to those that with a Methodist background, others even one, believe it or not, from a church of Anderson Church of God background, uh, Roman Catholic backgrounds, Lutheran background. I believe there's one maybe Church of Christ. So I don't think anybody in that room <laughs> went to the same church or denomination hardly. Um, but as I was thinking of thinking back and uh, licking my wounds, I guess. I went back to uh, one of the things, the ESV, and I said, did I look it up in the wrong place? What happened? And there's two places that uh, the Lord's Prayer is found. One is in uh, Luke chapter 11, and you can turn there if you want. The other is going to be in Matthew chapter 6. But I'm just going to read just the introduction here to why I just thought it was interesting. So it starts out in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. The reason here for why Jesus is giving the Lord's Prayer. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer there is a little bit different. The one that I just read in Matthew chapter 6 is the one that's typically used 
And of course, if you read the uh, King James Version, uh, you would have gotten that last uh, portion of Scripture there. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay. So why is that not in my English Standard Bible? I, I have a bone to pick with them. I think it should be in there. But when I looked at the very, very, very tiny small print at the bottom of the page, it says that this is not necess- this ending, and it gives the ending, is not necessarily in the early earliest manuscripts. So uh, the, most of your newer translations do come from a newer set of tra- or manuscripts um, than what the King James Bible comes from. Or if I said that right, newer, older, whatever, they go back further than the King James uh, initial text did. And what they believe is when they look back at these very early transcript, or I keep calling transcripts. I work a lot with transcripts, but we're talking about manuscripts. We're talking about uh, copies, handwritten copies of the scripture uh, written, you know, centuries ago, uh, very early on in the church history. And what they believe, and this is interesting, what they believe is that the church was using the Lord's Prayer constantly, and they added that little doxology on to the end. So therefore, when it was in the early manuscript stage, uh, you know, it did not necessarily have that ending to it, but then later, as people were copying those manuscripts, they added those words in there because the church was reciting this all the time, as I was not. Um, I think that's interesting, and and we see the Lord's Prayer um, not only in these two portions of Scripture, but there's a very early uh, writing that came out, they believe perhaps even sometime during the first century A.D., it's called the Didache, it's a teaching of the apostles, and it's, it's really, it's a manual for churches. And in that manual, believe it or not, the Lord's Prayer is in there, if I remember right, without that ending. And what does it say that the members of the church should be doing? Reciting the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Okay? So this, I found interesting because I am speaking to people of all denominations of the Christian faith. And there's a few things that we hold in common. And that prayer is one of those things that we hold in common. And I was really feeling bad about this, I tell you, because I felt like there is something that we hold in common, and I didn't do it right. I didn't do it justice. I really let my brothers and sisters down. And I mean that. And we need to be serious about these things because I just, I think it it is important. You know, one of the things, I wasn't sure what I was going to speak on tonight because I I was almost going to speak on Matthew 
chapter 24 and the wicked servant who's beating his, <laughs> his uh, fellow servants at the end of times right before Jesus comes. And I think we, we have to have a deference and a love and an understanding for our brothers and sisters uh, in all of the Christian denominations. And this is something we share in an opportunity that we have. So it was an opportunity for me to learn more about the Lord's Prayer. I've uh, been studying a, a little bit on uh, Martin Luther, and I like what he says about the Lord's Prayer and how it's broken down. I guess I, I didn't know that it was broken down in such a way, but uh, even when you look it up in, in uh, different dictionaries and uh, encyclopedias, it says you know that the Lord's Prayer is uh, it consists of an address of three second-person petitions relating to the fulfillment of God's purpose. So the beginning is talking about the or some of it's talking about God the fulfillment of God's purpose, and then three of the, or three or four of first-person petitions relating to human needs. So it's talking about the fulfillment of God's purpose and then relating to our own needs. And the subject of all the petitions is arguably the same, the realization of God's ultimate purpose for the world and for His people. The thrust is firmly eschatological, in praying for now, its eyes are towards the future. I'll read that again. In praying for now, but its eyes are towards the future. So Martin Luther, he broke this down. It's kind of an interesting time in history. If, if uh, you ever want to read a book on Martin Luther, there's a, a book that I really enjoyed. It's called Here I Stand. And I can't remember the guy's name. He's written in, I believe, the 50s or somewhere between the 50s and the 70s. So I'll give you a 20-year time period to search for it. The guy's name had Roland, I believe, somewhere in, in his name. I don't know if it has his first or last name, but very good book. And what happened in the Protestant Reformation was that... Uh, Martin Luther and, and anybody that followed him were kicked out of the Roman Catholic Church. So essentially, he had a band of people that were following him, and now everybody looked to Martin Luther and they said, well, you know, you, you've brought us out of the Roman uh, Catholic Church. Now tell us what we're supposed to teach our children. Now tell us, what are we supposed to be preaching in our churches? Can you imagine the weight that would have been on Martin Luther? But, you know, the Lord and Martin Luther had selected a man that was a very intelligent uh, academic uh, in the Bible. He was a prolific writer. He was... Uh, if you read his writings, he even today, he's, he's very, you can tell, animated. And so Martin Luther went to work, and he put together this, uh, it's part of his catechism. And at the beginning of each one of these things, it says, 
This is what the head of the household is to be teaching in his house and teaching to his children. And he starts out, you're supposed to be teaching the Ten Commandments, and you go through the Ten Commandments. Uh, Then you're supposed to be teaching the Apostles' Creed, which uh, is a very succinct statement on who uh, God the Father is, Jesus Christ his Son, the Holy Spirit, how uh, uh, salvation came to man through Jesus Christ. And then there's teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And as part of that, he breaks down the Lord's Prayer into an introduction and then seven petitions. So seven requests of God. And he held, indeed, that this is, this is the Lord's Prayer is something that's recited, it's learned, but this is a model prayer. You'll hear it said, it's a, this is a model prayer. It's something that is the model for how we are to pray. A minute ago, I, I read you from, uh, read from Luke chapter 11, and this is exactly what the disciples had asked for. Lord, teach us how to pray. I think that that's interesting in that these are men who had watched Jesus preach in the synagogue. Probably every Sabbath he was preaching in the synagogue, preaching in the temple. And these men did not ask Jesus, teach us how to preach. You know, these were men who had followed Jesus all over, you know, Israel all over the Galilee, and they had watched him heal. But they didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to heal somebody. These are men who had watched Jesus spar with the uh, Pharisees. And if this would have been been us today, we would probably say, Jesus, write us a book on how to win an argument. Right? They didn't ask Lord, how do we win an argument? We love how you argue with these Pharisees, and you win every time. Teach us that. But it says something, I think, of the life of Jesus and the disciples that they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. Of all the things that they saw in Jesus Christ's life, his prayer life, was what impressed them the most. And that's what they wanted to know, is how to pray. And then he gives this prayer, so all the more reason if the disciples wanted to know it, and we are the disciples today of Jesus Christ, or claim to be, shouldn't we know it as well? I'll say, for me, yes. So Martin Luther here, he breaks it down. He said, there's, there's an introduction given to the Lord's Prayer. It's our Father, who art in heaven. And he says the question the head of the household is to ask is what is meant by this introduction? Our Father, who art in heaven. Why do we say that? Then the answer he gives, and now I I brought this into today's English a little bit to make it a little bit easier to read. 
but that he says, God affectionately encourages us to believe that he is truly our father and that we really are his children so that we may call upon him. My page is stuck together. With all cheerfulness and confidence, just as a beloved child addresses their affectionate parent. Now, in my uh, studying this, I found this is the first place, of course, in the New Testament, we're in Matthew, this is the first place that God is called our Heavenly Father. You know, even in the Old Testament, the idea was that God was certainly the Father of the nation of Israel. You know, He was a Father of peoples. But here, Jesus, in teaching the Lord's Prayer, says He's your Father. He's bringing it to a personal level. <laughs> Maybe that's why the disciples said, how, Lord, teach us how to pray. And He's telling them, you can go to your heavenly Father as you would your Father. I've preached on this, I think, a couple times, and I, I say, you know, sometimes we get so, we get too caught up in the severity of God, that we forget that the love and the mercy and the tenderness of God is our Father. Remember, our fathers can be severe, but it's with a purpose. Just like that song I, I was singing there, there's a purpose to all those trials and troubles, so that one of these days, even though I go through these trials, I'll be purified and purer than gold. So the introduction is telling us that God is not just the Father of heaven, not just the Father of the Israelites, but He's our Father. We can come to Him in prayer. We have the open door to come to Him in prayer. Just like, you know, maybe some of you, you have uh, probably worked for different bosses. I believe some of you have worked in steel mills and places, and sometimes you've got those bosses that they sit behind closed doors, right? And they make all the decisions, and the, the people are upset because there's no access to management. You know, sometimes uh, we see companies run that way, and then there's others that have an open-door policy. Maybe some of you have worked for those companies and worked for those bosses that you know, when you needed something, you could go to them. Now tell me, which one of those companies do people, would people rather work for? Probably the one with the open-door policy. Well, God is saying, there's an open-door policy. You can come. The first petition, so that's the introduction. We have the right to come before our Heavenly Father. The first petition Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. What is meant by this petition? Martin says, well, the, the name of God is indeed holy in itself. So he's saying there's, there's nothing that you can do to add to the holiness of God's name. It's already holy, but we are praying in this petition that it may be hallowed also by us. That is, we want to live lives that cast our Heavenly Father in a good light and do not bring shame upon Him. 
in his name. I did not know that. I learned something there. Maybe some of you knew that. Hallowed be thy name. It's not necessarily... I always thought, God is great. Hallowed be his name. Praise. But this is a prayer. This is also asking for something. Now, one of the uh, workbooks that I was looking through, uh, it had a little exercise in there. And I imagine this would have to be a pretty personal one that you wouldn't show to somebody else because it asked two questions. It said, think of your family and write somebody's name down in the situation of somebody that hallowed the name of your family. That when, and I can think of, you know, my grandpa over here, I'm going to pick on him. I never had to worry when I went around town. And I said, and they said, you're a Romine. Man, there's a lot of Romines. Who are you related to? Well, I, I'm related. I'm Bob Romine's oldest grandson. Never once did I have to worry about saying I'm Bob Romine's oldest grandson. Because I knew that he had lived, he'll tell you, you know, there's times in his life he didn't live well. I'm not going to lift him up that high. But I will say that he lived a life that hallowed the family name. And then in the other box it said, think of somebody who brought the family name down. Write that down. And it said, this is what we're looking at when we're hallowing, when we're asking that the, the name of God be hallowed. We want to be in the first box and not have our name in the second box. The petition, what we're asking God is, Lord, through all you can do, let me live a life Let me treat others in a way that hallows your name, that that does not bring shame upon your name. And Martin Luther, he said, well, how do we accomplish this? He said, when the word of God is taught in its truth and in its purity, and we as the children of God lead holy lives in accordance with it, May our blessed Father in heaven help us to do this. We are also asking our heavenly Father to keep us from living in a manner that is not in accordance with his word, teaching others to do things contrary to the word, or profaning his precious name in any other manner. We want God's name to be hallowed. Second petition, the kingdom, thy kingdom come. Why are we asking for this? The kingdom of God indeed comes by itself. Martin Luther said, there's nothing that you're going to to necessarily pray that's going to bring it any, any faster. He says it will come by itself without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be manifested in our personal lives also. 
He's saying, you can look around in the world and God will be working over there. He will be working over there. He'll be working in that person's life. But we're praying, God, will you please work in my life? Thy kingdom come, not just to the church of God of Licking County, but thy kingdom come to the heart of Troy Romine. And he says, how is this going to happen? He says, when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and we live a godly life here on this earth and eventually in heaven forever. That's how it will be accomplished. The third petition, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we asking for that? And he says again, the good and gracious will of God will be done without our prayer. We're not going to change who God is, whether we pray or whether we don't. His will will be done. The things that he said will be accomplished in this book will happen. Prayer or no prayer. But... We pray in this petition, again, that it may also be done by us. We are praying to have a part in it. So not only are we praying that the Lord's kingdom and His will would be done on earth, I'm sorry, that His kingdom would come to us, but that also His will would be done on earth as in heaven. We're asking to have a part in His will. And he says, well, how's that going to happen? Well, God frustrates and He brings to nothing, He says, every evil counsel and purpose which would hinder us from hallowing the name of God and prevent His kingdom from coming to us, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our own flesh. And when He strengthens us and He keeps us steadfast in His Word and in the faith and even to our end, He said, this is the gracious and the good will of God. Let us do it. And we're asking for a part. So all this has been focused so far, you know, on God's kingdom. Notice that how many times have we uh, prayed and I, I've done it many times, even probably from up here. And you start getting into the requests before, before you're thinking of all those other things, before you're thinking of the glory of God. Do you notice that Jesus front-loaded the glory of God in this prayer? And that's hard. That's hard to change. It's hard to change. <clears throat> but the fourth petition, now we're getting to our request. Give us this, our daily bread. Now, some may have thought, you know, that's just food. Give us our daily bread. You know, you've got food. What else do you need? But God is not just about our food, right? <laughs> He's concerned about a lot of things. And if we're to be equipped to do His will, we're going to need more than just food to do that. So he says, what's meant by this? Well, God gives, without again, without our prayer. 
But, you know, and we know that because he says, even to the wicked, they also get their daily bread. But we pray in this petition that he would open our eyes and senses to his provision for us and enable us to receive everything he gives us with thanksgiving. So he said, God's going to give this stuff to you, but what we are asking and give us our daily bread is that we will see that he's giving us our daily bread and that we will receive it with thanksgiving. We'll be thankful for what God does. I don't know if I've ever prayed, Lord, let me be thankful for what you do. I've prayed sometimes that I, uh, that I was thankful and offer thanks, and we should do that as well. So what, what is daily bread? Obviously, it means more than just food. So, you know, all these things, God wants to provide us the needs and, and healthy desires of this present life. And, and he says it could be food. Clothing, it could be money, goods, house, and land, and other property. A believing spouse and good children. Man, I'm glad he put that one in there. He said that's necessary for a happy life. A believing spouse and good children. Trustworthy employees and faithful government officials. Favorable seasons, peace and health, education and honor. True friends, good neighbors, and the like. So when we're asking, God's not just interested in in our food, but also in our entire lives and the needs that we have to do all those first things there. And then the fifth petition here, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why are we praying that? Well, we pray in this petition that our Heavenly Father would not remember our sins, nor deny us our requests on account of them. Keep in mind that we are not worthy of anything for which we pray, and we have not merited it. However, we are asking that God would grant us all things through grace, although we don't deserve it because of our sin, and rather deserve chastisement alone. In gratitude for God's forgiveness of us and following His example, we will therefore, on our part, both heartily forgive and also readily do to those who or do good to those who may injure or offend us. So it's a reminder that we had to be forgiven. It's a reminder to us of the forgiveness that we've received of God. And then, a re- and a reminder that we also must forgive. Our heavenly Father is forgiving us. We are to be like Him, and to forgive. Then the sixth petition: Lead us not into temptation. In the Bible, it says that you know God tempts no one to sin. But we pray this petition that God would so guard and preserve us that the devil, the world, and our own flesh may not deceive us nor lead us into error and unbelief, despair, and other great and shameful sins. And that though we may be tempted by such, we may nevertheless finally prevail and gain the victory. So, 
We're praying again. I think that's pretty straightforward there. That through even temptation, we would have the victory. The seventh petition here, but deliver us from evil. Why are we praying? Deliver us from evil. It says we pray this petition as a, in a summary that our Heavenly Father would deliver us from all manner of evil, whether it affects the body or the soul, property or character, and at last, when the hour of death shall arrive, He will grant us a happy end and graciously take us from this world of sorrow to Himself in heaven. We just prayed from the glory of God, extolling Him, to praying for us to be a part of His kingdom here on this earth, that we would have the things that we need to help others and to glorify God, that we wouldn't fall to the temptations of the devil and of this world, that we wouldn't fall to evil. And then finally, we've almost made a complete circle back around that in the end, you know, we'll end up in heaven with this God that we're praying to. And then the conclusion that was more, it sounds like the church's conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And he does, doesn't even go into all the rest of it. He just says, what's it mean when we say amen? He says it means that uh, I should be assured that such petitions are acceptable to our Heavenly Father and are heard of Him, for He Himself has commanded us to pray in this manner and has promised that He will hear us. Amen, amen. That is, yea, yea, it shall be so. So when you say amen... It's an agreement. Yay, yay. It shall be so. Let it be so. And in conclusion, I, I, uh, I like what the, um, it says the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia had to say about the purpose of the Lord's Prayer. It said, The Lord's Prayer was given as a lesson in prayer. As such, this simple model surpasses all precepts about prayer. It suggests to the child of God the proper objects of prayer. It supplies uh, suitable forms of language and illustrates the simple and the direct manner in which we may trustingly address our Heavenly Father. It embraces the elements of all spiritual desire summed up in a few choice sentences. For those of us who are not able to bring their struggling desires to birth in articulate language, it provides an instructive form. To the mature disciple, it ever unfolds with richer depths of meaning. Though we learn these words at our mother's knee, we need a lifetime to fill them with meaning and all eternity to realize their answer. I just love that, because what they're saying, this, this is a prayer, and it should be, as Martin Luther was saying, the head of the household was to be teaching this to the children, 
And here it says, though we learn these words at our mother's knee, we need a lifetime, though, to fill them with meaning and all eternity to realize their answer. So I'm going to challenge you as well as me. (laughs) Learn the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Memorize it. Uh, Probably want to memorize the King James Version. So you have the very end of it, so you don't uh, run into the trouble that I did. But when you think of that form, you know, Jesus could have, he could have made this, can you do realize, I mean, an infinite God and how difficult and how complicated this could have been? And there were religions and still are religions, if you look into uh, like Scientology and some of them, and you look at the stories that go along with those, really they're Gnostic religions, and, and they just, they're crazy stories, and I, I don't know how you would memorize and know all the things that you're supposed to do, and really I think they just hold people in confusion. But when Jesus spoke, he was able to speak to the hearts of simple fishermen And he said, you have the right to address your heavenly Father, and here in a few sentences, here's how you can do it. Address Him with respect. Ask big things. Ask Him the things that you need to live honorably before Him and to carry out those two greatest commandments. They just keep coming back to me. You know, love the Lord your God with all your being. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Lord's Prayer. Because if we're fulfilling those things, we're fulfilling the law and the prophets and we're honoring God's kingdom. And Jesus could have made it so difficult, but instead, He made it so easy. But yet, (laughs) I learned a lot this week. I've learned a lot since that humbling experience right there at at uh, Flint Ridge. And what I also learned is I, I, I just know a little bit more of, and I, than I did before, and I know that I, you know, every time you learn more, you realize that there's more you don't know. There was so many commentaries and books, and I, I tell you, there, there was a whole, I'd love to do it with the Sunday school class, a whole eight-week study on the Lord's Prayer. I talked to you about the one one little exercise out of that out of that book, but we we have we all have a lot to learn, and you know I'm thankful that the Lord is merciful to us, <laughs> and that He will uh, bless us uh, and with His with His presence, with His goodness. I just I thank the Lord for all of you. And I thank the Lord for my brothers and sisters that were forgiving to, to me, and they even listened to me last Sunday when I had to come back. <laughs> so let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful for your word and for your goodness and for your glory. Father, we are thankful that Uh, You didn't just stay up in heaven and let us figure it out on our own, but Lord, you sent your Son to come to this earth and to teach us those words, those beautiful words. 
Lord, we're thankful for this model of prayer that we have. Lord, that uh, we would no longer as humanity go on wondering whether there was a Father in heaven and wondering if He cared about us. Lord, we know that that is a common problem with mankind even now. They just feel that, uh, that you don't care. But Lord, we see in your word that not only do you care, you have come down to us and you have given us a means by which we can communicate with you. Lord, you care about us and you care about our needs. You want to hear them. You want to address us. And Father, I just pray that you would make it more of a reality in each one of our hearts and minds that we have a heavenly Father, one who loves us and cares for us. Lord, help us to be bold as we go forth out of this building. I pray that you would give us opportunities, Lord, to witness to others this week. I Pray that you would help us to have the courage and uh, the wits and what we need, Father, to witness to this world that's out there. Lord, there's just so much destructiveness of Satan and of the flesh that's going on. Lord, we see the just terrible needs in our community and in our school, and we know that all we need to do is ask. Lord, we ask today and tonight, Lord, that your will would be done in our lives, that you would help us to live lives that hallow your name, Lord, that bring your kingdom to uh, the level of our hearts and our lives, Lord. It's not just something we read in a book, but it's something that we live and experience and that we take to others and that we are joyful to have and that we can share with others. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and for your Son and your words. And we just ask that you would bless all of those in attendance as we uh, go out of this building tonight and bless the rest of our week and bring us all back here safely, we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus.